Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. minute where we do whatever a spider can with mad max 2 the road warrior one minute at a time i'm rick and i'm julia and today we're talking about minute 20 which begins with the bus gate of the compound opening to release a team of scouting parties and it ends with one of the scouting parties being overtaken by marauders and today is friday which means uh we got some fresh eyes and uh those fresh eyes belong to the one and only scott corelli from the spider-man minute hi Hey, Scott. I'm very excited to be here. It's good to have you. Now, you are not just a host. You're also a... Uh, how do you refer to yourself when you talk about dueling genre stuff? You're the... I, I tend to not. I just... <laughs> I just give everyone else the credit. I mean, I guess I'm technically, I don't, I don't, I'm the owner, I guess. I don't know. I feel weird about giving myself like a weird role president or I don't, I, that's weird. I don't like that. I own Dueling Genre and I help other podcasts have a home and, and get off the ground and things like, things like that. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, DuelingGenre.com. It's uh, mostly podcast right now. I want to get into other things because I'm a filmmaker at heart. And so there's three short films on there and we're planning on expanding that soonish. But for the most part, we're a podcast network and we have a couple handfuls of Movies by Minute podcasts, including my Spider-Man Minute, Back to the Future Minute, which I also hosted and completed. And then we have things like Ninja Turtles Minute and Harry Potter Minute, Lord of the Rings Minute, amongst several others. So all of those are under the Dueling Genre banner. And then we have more like weekly kinds of shows like The Doctor's Companion, which is like a Doctor Who thing. And then we have Calling BS, which is like a pop culture show and a couple of others that I don't have anything to do with, like the protagonist podcast and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of stuff over there. And we're adding more stuff every week, it seems, because I'm insane and I can't say no to people. So (laughs) um, it's a veritable cornucopia of content. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then then we have we even have original podcast series on top of that that are like audio dramas but you know more modern so they're not like you know like the old radio serials or anything like that they're much more modern storytelling and we do those my show is geek by night which is about friends who are in their 20s and transitioning into their 30s and trying to figure out that whole world of not feeling like an adult but everyone is telling you you're an adult but then at the same time they also get superpowers and what does that mean and there's lots of (laughs) buffy-esque metaphors and things like that it's a fun show i think it's it's funny and hopefully exciting and things like that so that's something that sounds interesting go check that out that's sort of my pride and joy my baby that we make we all there's like a crew of like two dozen of us that make that show so between like the cast and everyone so we're Very proud of it, and please go check that out. But we're here to talk about Mad Max and the Road Warrior, (laughs) so let's do that. Yeah. 
I do want to quickly note, and mm-hmm. I think I gave you guff on Facebook about this. I have not listened to Geek by Night, and I said I would start listening if the opening theme song for Geek by Night was a parody of Rush's Fly by Night, <laughs> and you said that wasn't happening. No. So I'm, <laughs> I'm standing by my guns for now. I'm, I'm assuming it's a great show, <laughs> and if people want to listen to something on my recommendation, go listen to Geek by Night, but if you're going expecting Rush parodies... <laughs> I think you're going to be sorely mistaken. Everything else that I've heard about it is great. We would all be pretty scared to do that and face possible uh, legal ramifications because we don't have the legal team that Weird Al had and we're not as talented as he is. So, you know. <laughs> I can understand uh, being a little afraid of corporate lawyers, but yeah, I'm sure they'd be able to. I don't want to beat the dead horse, but, you know, I'm sure they would give you that leeway. I, I think Weird Al's strategy for doing parody is asking nicely (laughs) (laughs) and just being able to sit back and listen about the time Scott Corelli tried to uh, get a hold of Getty Lee to ask permission to parody a song. That sounds like (laughs) a cocktail hour story that would be infinitely impressive. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll do it for the musical episode. We'll just have the whole cast perform the cover. (laughs) Speaking of Buffy stuff, isn't that usually about season six they bring in the musical episode? Yeah, it'll be a while but you know yeah give it time (laughs) give it time (laughs) speaking of time it is morning in minute 20 as we rejoin max dog and the gyro captain asleep atop the ridge in the pinnacles area outside broken hill and things are a stir in the compound as the bus gate roars to life and pulls out of the way and Julia, you have an opinion that I don't necessarily share concerning the, uh, the bus gate, don't you? You make it sound like I have a strong conviction of an opinion. <laughs> I just wonder if a bus is really makes a good gate. Is it really dense enough, strong enough, massive enough to stop what truly motivated individuals might throw at it? <laughs> now, I did not go through the effort of going back in my notes to find out the exact model of the bus. I did say it earlier, but I didn't go back and look it up. But I did look up like the average weight of a bus that carries people and the low end for weight is about 20,000 pounds or about just north of 9,000 kilograms. So, I mean, they're weighty things. The issue that I see with the bus gate is that it's big enough and it's strong enough to withstand attack, but it's also in my opinion, maybe a little wasteful. I mean, a giant gas-guzzling vehicle that is that heavy used as something as mundane as a door, I feel like that's kind of adding insult to injury for the seemingly fuel-starved horde that is attacking it every day. The people in the compound, they have this glut of gasoline, and they can use that gasoline to do something as lame as having a door that opens and closes. (laughs) And so that must infuriate the horde to no end, knowing that these people have that much gas that they can just flaunt it mm-hmm. <laughs> they do seem to be flaunting their fuel i mean that compound is lit up like a christmas tree yeah all night long and it's a really like beautiful vista for us but yeah insult to injury for the horde i feel like the horde are like wet bandits in the first uh, home alone <laughs> you know they're like casing the house and they're just like look at all those christmas lights these people deserve this um <laughs> 
That's what, it, that's what it feels like. Because you're right. It is super convenient. And I understand from a strategy standpoint, these people, they're not thinking about... I mean, they're thinking about the Horde in so much as they're trying to keep them out. It doesn't seem like they're super worried about bringing attention to them. They're constantly going in and out of this place. Like, I don't know. If I was, if I were them and I had all this gasoline, I mean, I would have built a roof to this place. Just <laughs> number one. That would have been on the top of my list. Let's make a... Let's build a roof. Because we, you just climb over all of this. You could find a way. I mean, you know, drive two cars on top of each other and you got yourself a ladder. The Horde is crazy enough to do something crazy like that, right? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't... doesn't it this doesn't seem like a build a roof. Like maybe maybe build a roof <laughs> is what I'm saying. And if not a roof, maybe just turn the lights down. Yeah. At night. Because yesterday we saw the compound lit up and there are spotlights and there are running lights. The place sticks out. And I mean, granted, they need to keep the pump running and they need to keep the refinery process running so that they can build up all that gasoline. But they really can't be surprised that people come knocking at their door looking for gas. And it just so happens this is the post-apocalypse. Not everyone who comes knocking at the door for gas is going to be friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they're not a big enough camp to have this much self-assurance. <laughs> <laughs> like the camp in Thunderdome, like I get it. I get, you know, because there's like hundreds of people in there. But this is like a couple dozen people, right? I mean, that's, the, it's not that many in this, in here. This is the 1%? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the compound is the 1% and the Lord Humongous's horde are the 99% demanding to get an equal quality of living? Yeah. It really, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is like one of those one of those situations where when you're watching The Walking Dead and you're just like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm on your side, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this really seems like one of those situations. Maybe, I mean, yeah, look, they're dressed a little strangely. It's the post-apocalypse. But, you know, maybe help these people out or something. I don't know. It just... (laughs) I don't like this because they're literally hoarding this gasoline and then the horde attacks them. It's almost like they name themselves that ironically. (laughs) (laughs) I like your comparison with the Home Alone wet bandits Mm -hmm. because the wet bandits, we know that they're the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But by the end of the movie, you feel bad for them. Yeah. Because they are tortured Mm -hmm. and just humiliated at every turn and you know all they want to do is rob the place (laughs) that's so bad (laughs) Uh, so these guys i kind of feel the same way like they just want a little bit of what you have mm -hmm. one percenter i uh, i i just (laughs) we're inching ever closer and closer and closer to like justifying and humanizing lord humongous's horde maybe just a little too much because (laughs) (laughs) to be fair they're not in this minute so that's very true they they feature very little in this minute so looking at it in an isolated fashion ignoring what is coming next week because there is something awful coming next week and i won't get into it because that's for for later us to worry about but i can kind of see where you're coming from julia and scott the idea that you know maybe they should share but it's just the idea that the horde spent all day the previous day pushing towards the gate and trying to get their vehicles up over into the compound and just take and take and take by violence okay i understand we're all for civilized society and people working together but i don't remember hearing anyone say please and that's the magic word (laughs) yeah but we've just come to this fight (laughs) 
all we know about how it started was the gyro captain saying, and then along came this horde and fighting broke out. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Maybe they did try to barter with them. I mean- Okay, the the people in the compound could use a little bit of fashion help. (laughs) And I think the Horde are the perfect people to maybe sell them some clothing or sell them some services of sewing clothing for them. (laughs) Maybe they did try to barter and the people on the inside, the one percenters, rejected them and forced them to attack to get the fuel. You never know. I can't even. I can't even. I'm going to reserve judgment until we get to know the horde a little bit better in the coming minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you definitely reserve that judgment. You should, you should call ahead, reserve the biggest table you can get. And then, you know, we'll show up a couple minutes early just to be safe. Make sure that table is ready because, oh, wow. Judgment table. Yeah. That judgment table is going to be set. (laughs) And uh, to to push the metaphor past the bounds of reasonable metaphors, you better bring some extra money because we're going to have to tip that waitress a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I am just to dig us out of the hole that we're digging ourselves deeper into. (laughs) I, uh, I, the thing that I am always so impressed by with this series and specifically, I mean, there, there's certainly a jump from this to Thunderdome, but from the jump in world building from Mad Max to the Road Warrior, because what? How many years has it been? Ten between the two? Uh, in in the world, in the universe, it's uh, not stated exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's not clear. Okay, all right, but it is. It's crazy that just the world building that's done in in these films, because like the first one, you know, you have a gang problem. There's starting to be a gas shortage. You see the beginnings of the post apocalypse, but I'd argue that you're not quite there yet like there's still police and things like that so there's things that are still happening that are you know governmentally run or some form of government run and then you get to here and now we're it's the wild west meets the middle ages and (laughs) it's this amazing like you know oh a lot of time has passed and it feels like a natural progression we're in more of a gasoline shortage to the point where gangs are forming to go to war over gasoline over just really honestly limited quantities of gasoline because this compound has a lot of gas gasoline but a lot in this world not a lot of gasoline not really yeah it is only one pump right it's just like the way that this has escalated that we've gone from a world in the first film where max can sit down at a kitchen table with his wife and have breakfast before going to work to a world where he's sitting on a, a rock eating dog food out of a can Uh, it's a huge jump but it never feels unnatural it just feels like oh this was the next step in this world i'm always so so impressed with that and then even later on getting down the road to literally to fury road then it's a water thing which is like a whole other problem and so i love the way that this world escalates i guess Mm. It's really interesting. There always seems to be an issue of scarcity Mm -hmm. that people have to deal with. And I know we've spent some time talking about how 
the compound dwellers have this glut of gasoline, like they have this vast resource, but the one thing they don't have is the ability to move that gasoline. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things we talked about, having that much gas, it's kind of like having a million dollars in cash. Yeah, you're a millionaire, but you've also got this giant duffel bag with a dollar sign painted on it that you've got to lug around. It makes you a huge target. Mm -hmm. And as the gate of the compound opens we start seeing scouts exit and we don't necessarily know that the scouts are looking for something to pull the tanker just yet that's something we find out not next week but the week afterwards but they are desperate to get out of there and so they are throwing caution to the wind and we see there's two scouting vehicles that come out first we cut back to the dog so we can see him perk up we get a third vehicle and then by the end of the minute there's four vehicles coming out of this compound going in every conceivable direction now granted i say every conceivable i mean four there's four vehicles four directions never mind but these people they're doing something very risky in an attempt to get away from their situation and it's you know more than a little stressful Mm -hmm. i appreciate we get a quick shot of the dog after we see the two cars leave the compound he kind of perks up he's the first one to notice something's happening and it's just another example of how dog is best dog he's always listening always attentive dog is the best ever and uh i'm in complete denial about what's going to happen to him even though i know what's going to happen i'm just you know enjoying dog while we have him (laughs) as we cut back to the compound we've seen two cars leave one was a sedan one was a coupe this third one's kind of a, a vw bug with kind of its its doors ripped off and whatnot and And wouldn't you know, in all my years, I never put two and two together to get four. And I never realized that when people say dune buggy, they say dune buggy because those were vehicles made of repurposed VW bugs. I'm sitting here watching this third car roll out and I'm like, oh, it looks like a VW bug that was turned into a buggy. And then as soon as I say it out loud, I'm like, wow, I'm a massive idiot for not realizing this sooner. Okay. Is that really where the term buggy comes from? Yeah. Like, did you look it up? No. Okay. But it's stands to reason okay (laughs) you're gonna look it up aren't you yeah that's why i have a smartphone there you go but yeah dune buggies they use the vw engine they use the chassis they alter the body work and they bring it out on the dunes Hmm. why didn't i not see that before and i felt awful (laughs) i felt genuine shame as a minor action (laughs) i don't know if you deserve to be uh, to shame yourself one because we don't we're not sure that that's necessarily true and two (laughs) and two you know i mean i i never realized that that's never occurred to me you don't think critically about words sometimes and phrases you just kind of accept them for what they are i do that all the time you know (laughs) as this third car comes out we cut back to max who is still asleep but we hear in the distance the sound of a siren and that is what finally wakes max up he kind of rouses from his sleep and of course being an ex-cop of course the sound of a police siren would wake him up Mm -hmm. but it's this shot specifically that we really get the first good look of his shock of blonde hair coming off the side of his head and it is the uh, strangest hair choice i think i've seen strangest 
Yeah, I mean, we saw a guy with a mohawk. Okay, mohawks are normal. A single sideburn is not even sideburn. It doesn't extend past his ear. It's just a shock of blonde hair over one ear. And I'm like, okay, why? I think it's supposed to literally be a shock of white hair, like as a like a stress response. Yeah. Like, yeah, his his trauma from the first movie was so bad that or, it made his hair or something between then and now. Like, it, it looks like he had a an accident with a bottle of bleach or something like that. Uh, well, I'll say this not to. <laughs> go ahead he still has it in the next one so but it's you know a lot longer in the next one but he still has it yeah. and i think he might have more of them so that doesn't go away <laughs> yeah i'm i'm very interested okay listeners if you have a theory or an explanation for max's single shock of blonde hair please share it in our listener society go over to facebook mad max minute beyond microphone let me know what's up with that, because I am a little curious. Julie, what'd you find on your phone? Uh, Rick was right. Oh. One way that a buggy is created, it involves the alteration of an existing vehicle, most notably the original car or chassis, often a Volkswagen Beetle. The model is nicknamed Bug, therefore the term buggy. Mm. All right. I feel vindicated. Right. Scott, you were you were saying. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I love Max's haircut because it obviously looks like something that he does with a knife himself without looking in a mirror. Uh, it's perfect. It's like the perfect post-apocalyptic haircut. I hate that when you watch post-apocalyptic stuff, like let, let's just bring up The Walking Dead again. Why does everybody have perfect hair that's just greasy? Like just being greasy isn't enough. Like it shouldn't even look like real haircuts. It should look like this, mm -hmm. this knife business. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I appreciate that he goes through the trouble to at least cut it short. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's doing his best. He's trying to keep his hair the way he likes it. Mm -hmm. Short cropped. Yeah. And he does a pretty good job considering he probably only has a knife and no mirror. Well, and plus, you know, being an ex police officer, like he would know that keeping your hair short isn't just for looks. It's for practicality reasons because you don't want to give someone something to pull. Mm -hmm. Yes. And in the post-apocalypse. You want it to block your line of sight. Right. Get in the way. Right. Post-apocalypse, you definitely don't want those things in the yes. way. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So I'm a big fan of his haircut in this movie. It's something. I'll tell it. it <laughs> I got caught up on that one thing, and heaven help me if that doesn't happen all the time. Speaking of getting in the way, as these scouts are leaving the compound, we get a shot overlooking the valley where we can see that Lord Humongous has stationed groups from his horde around the compound, almost as if he was expecting them to try and make a run for it. Because there's a large group down at the bottom of the screen. There's kind of a small group that's a little tricky to see because of all the shrubbery and whatnot mm -hmm. further up and at least two of those cars i'm not sure quite what happens to the third that uh has already come out of the compound but these scout cars are almost immediately beset with marauders and it's a little scary because one of those groups actually has the lord humongous in it and he's giving chase to this scout car and you get the sense that you don't want to be the guys in that car specifically because i'm pretty sure the people that the lord humongous chases down they're the ones that make an appearance later on in this movie mm. strapped to the front uh, of his truck <laughs> yes i yes i would think so not the not the best mm -hmm. situation but I also like how you can see in these groups another example of the different factions. Like you've got a couple of the cop cars, you've got a couple of the modified trucks, you've got the motorcycles. You know, just another example of the, the diversity that you see within the Lord Humongous's horde. So I do have a 
general question about this world that we're in. Mm -hmm. Is this, and forgive me if this was mentioned in, in Mad Max or is mentioned at some point in this movie, is this only happening in Australia? Like, is every other country fine? Or is this everywhere? <laughs> no, I believe this is worldwide. Okay. Yeah. Which leaves a ton of questions. It leaves so much world building that you could do. Like, you could literally yes. make a Mad Max shared universe and absolutely, it would be so easy to do. There's not even any groundwork you have to lay. Just make a movie about other characters in another country and let's see what that looks like. But that's interesting. Okay, so it is worldwide. So this is just particularly bad because it's Australia and in the desert. Yes, because as far as I'm aware, there's been no natural disaster. There's there's no reason why there's no water. There's just no power. Mm -hmm. Which, well, no, now that I say that out loud, most of us need power to get water. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, but there's still like hand pumps and whatnot. Yeah. I wouldn't say that everything is necessarily dr dried up. It's just that there was so much infighting and destruction and in the prologue, you kind of see that the, the narrator refers to them as two great warrior tribes, but there was such massive fighting between national powers that they fought to the point where they couldn't really fight anymore. You get that sense when it says that their great machines sputtered and stopped and that they went all out for as long as they could. And only once they exhausted their military might, did they even try to be diplomatic about it. And by that time, it was too late to do much good at all. And so it was more of a societal collapse as opposed to a natural disaster or nuclear option hmm. you know once people weren't able to move goods internationally or even nationally to a smaller extent that people just fell apart the cities burned and people looted as much as they could and when the governments collapsed people were reduced to this uh, the thing that's so crazy about the Mad Max movies is that the world that they live in isn't based on some outlandish thing like a zombie apocalypse or they're not based in a world that doesn't exist. They're just like, yeah, what if there was a shortage of this one thing and then it all led to this 20 years later? That's horrifying. Yeah. But really fascinating. I think that's what makes these movies so good is that for a post-apocalypse they're not unbelievable exactly yeah you could very well see this happening and i think some people are kind of excited by the idea some people maybe not so much <laughs> but i mean there's a reason these movies are so popular worldwide i think everyone secretly yearns to be a marauder on a motorcycle with a crazy <laughs> haircut and wild clothing i think the attraction is that a lot of people wonder how they would fare. Mm -hmm. Like, could I handle this? Could I be a Mad Max? Yeah. Would you be a loner like Max? Would you try and be crafty like the gyro captain? Would you band together with some morally dubious characters for the sake of survival? Or, you know, would you be a one percenter living in your compound? I'd be dead. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to I, I have nothing to offer any of these people. <laughs> I I don't think I could live such a difficult life. I think I would wish that I went out with like the first round of people dying. Uh -huh. Like just take me out quick. I, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's Yeah, let's do a, a let's week. review Let's week. do an end of week recap real yep. quick. We got 10 minutes. Yep. So this week was pretty sedentary. We didn't do a lot of moving around because we started off this minute with Max looking through his binoculars. He's kind of scouting out the compound and he most notably finds the tanker where they're holding all of their gasoline, their massive amount of fuel. And 
after he finds that t- gas tank, the gyro captain thinks that he can be set free. He thought, if I show him the gas, he'll let me go. Well, that's not exactly the deal that Max had in mind, because the gyro captain finds himself chained to a large tree, rather unfortunately. Of course, later that day, we saw Max had lunch, can of dinky dye dog food, and while he's eating, he kept tabs on the uh, compound assault. We got to see a sick motorcycle jump that really didn't result in much of anything. <laughs> we saw Max share his food with Dog. Dog was not willing to share with the gyro captain. In fact, he had to wait until nightfall to even get a morsel of food dug out of that can. And that night, we saw the horde retreat away from the compound and that kind of brought us to today where we rejoined everyone the next morning to see the scout sleeve now scott when i asked for volunteers to come on the podcast you specifically asked for minute 17 mm-hmm. does that sound right yeah the the dog food minute yeah yeah why did you want to talk about the dog food so bad? uh because i think there's something about it that it shows you how much this world has changed i guess and that you know, this dog food, which looks absolutely revolting. Do you guys know what he was actually eating? Did or did did he actually eat dog food or was this like some other like spam or something that they put in the dog food can that he ate? Or what is this? It was definitely not dog food. They talked about it a little bit on the commentary track and it was the commentary track is George Miller and Dean Semler, the director of photography. Thank you. They weren't really sure what was in there. Their best guess was like canned spaghetti or something like that which it's not it doesn't look like canned spaghetti Mm. but it definitely wasn't dog food okay (laughs) well whatever he's he's eating it looks absolutely revolting yes and he's just shoveling it into his mouth and i gotta say it doesn't but you know as he's going through this dog food and he's taking big bites like he's not taking little morsels he's he's really digging into this dog food i assume he just eats about once a day but he's really digging in and when he finally gives the can to the dog which it's just the idea of him digging into this dog food and the dog and the gyro captain they both look at it as if it's the most delicious thing they've ever seen now granted <laughs> granted the dog uh, fair fair play he's a dog that's what he should be eating but it's the other guy makes it even though it looks revolting when you see the reaction of of the gyrocopter pilot like it really makes you feel like would i would i think the dog food looked looked and smelled delicious if i was in this world like would i be craving dog food is that what i would want it just kind of like makes my mind wander about this world and a little bit about max's breath (laughs) 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 and i i don't know like it's just and like just the way that max and his in his very uh you know mel gibson-y way just cockily just throws the empty can at the dog and just that whole process and i have to say the uh the gyrocopter uh pilot when he's finally like doing that like two finger dig for the last morsels of that can i don't know what he pulls out but he is savoring whatever it was because he chews on that whatever he got off of those two fingers he's like chewing on that for at least 45 seconds <laughs> and that's i don't know just the whole the whole thing with the dog food i just I, it just i don't know it just makes my imagination race and just thinking about this world it just i feel like it really 
represents where humans are uh, as a species. And also, I think Max might be a bad dog owner because um, <laughs> this dog deserves more than, uh, you know, whatever's left, whatever he couldn't dig out with that spoon. He deserves more than that food wise. I don't know. He's a living creature. Well, you get no argument there. Yeah, he needs to eat more. Poor dog. Dog, dog. Like I said before, dog is best dog. I still kind of think that dog already ate a decent meal of kangaroo back on the road. Yeah, there was a kangaroo that we saw back when Max discovered the Mack truck. There was a dead kangaroo sitting on the side of the road with an arrow in its neck or something like that. And Julia was quite taken aback that no one had butchered that kangaroo because meat is meat. Take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, roadkill or not. <laughs> yeah, take the kangaroo, give the dog food to the dog or save it for later. Something. I don't know. Build a fire, throw the roadkill on it. It'll be get better. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No, got to be better than the dog food. Yeah, I think the consensus that we came to is that to our refined palates, being people that live in a comfortable and non-apocalyptic society, yes, we turn our noses up at dog food. But when you're dealing with dinky dye, which frankly means quality when it comes to... <laughs> Australian dog foods, you really can't do better than than what you find from that company, which mm -hmm. is completely false and made up. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no chance of them ever sponsoring them. But, you know, like I said, dinky dye, meat and veggies, it means quality. <laughs> <laughs> to Gibson's credit, he makes it look tasty. Oh, absolutely. Um, after he puts it in his mouth, I mean, he is savoring that, that huge bite that he shovels into his mouth. <laughs> He just like holds it in his mouth for a while. I do like that it's the smell of the dog food that wakes up the gyrocopter uh, pilot. I mean, dog food just in general has a pretty strong odor when you crack open one of those cans. I feel like I can imagine exactly what he smells when he wakes up. And the idea of that smell making my mouth water kind of freaks me out and uh, makes me very solid in my conviction that I would in fact be dead. So um, it's... <laughs> It's kind of like post-apocalyptic Folgers commercial. Yeah. Where instead of waking up to a, a freshly brewed pot of coffee, it's waking up to an open can of dog food. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that everybody has their own spoon. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's fun. I do, I do like that as like a weird world building thing. Like, <laughs> let's bring a spoon wherever you can because who knows when you'll want to eat something. That's good. I like that. I don't know where he got that can of dog food, though. He actually has like a case of it oh. in the Interceptor when... Um the gyro captain was chained up in Max's back seat as they were going from where Max caught up with the gyro captain to the pinnacles. You mm -hmm. could actually see a box of the dinky dye dog food sitting behind the gyro captain's head. Oh. <laughs> Which makes the idea that there was a shotgun pointing right at his face even more risky because if that shotgun had gone off, it might have ruined a can or two of the dog food, which would be very tragic. I mean, yeah, that's like, you know, two or three days worth of meals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, I guess the one good thing about dog food is that typically, I mean, depending on the size of the dog, you're supposed to only feed them, you know, once a day or like a half a can twice a day or something like that. So like if you're only eating a can a day... I assume there's like a lot of calories in that garbage. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's a plus, I guess, as far as dog food's concerned. I don't know. I'm looking for the brighter side of this dog food thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the brighter side is that they're still alive. Yep. They have yeah. not starved to death. 
And maybe that's what Max is savoring. Mm -hmm. The sweet life-giving taste of (laughs) not dying of starvation that day. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, I think we're running low on your available time with us. So could Mm -hmm. you tell the lovely listeners where they can hear more of you? Yeah, DuelingGenre.com. And you can check me out every day on Spider-Man Minute and the upcoming Cornetto Minute, which is going to be uh, myself and my Back to the Future Minute co-host. Since we wrapped up Back to the Future, we have moved on and we're doing Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. And that's the three films that he did with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. And we're starting with Shaun of the Dead daily in October. But before that, we're going to talk about the TV show that the three of them did, Spaced, um, which is a 14-episode you know, British sitcom that they did, the three of them did together. And we're doing a rewatch of that. And that starts in September. And we're doing, we're basically coming out with another episode every other day. Um, nice. All through September to cover that before our premiere in October. Very cool. So they should go to duelinggenre.com. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if they want to check out Cornetto Minute, they'll be able to find it there. Hopefully they won't get too distracted by the myriad of other offerings on that website. Yeah. I feel like it's a ADHD haver's dream to <laughs> drop into a situation <laughs> like that and have a glut of options. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff over there. <laughs> As for us, you, you should come back on Monday, catch up with us. We're going to see where that final scout vehicle that popped out of the compound that we didn't necessarily mention because we haven't seen it yet but there's a fourth vehicle that's going to pop out of that compound and we're going to follow its progress and see how far it goes and uh not as far as moana that's my that's my little disney reference for the week all right The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com click on the support link at the top of the page and check out our patreon to help us keep the tanks full thank you for joining us for minute 20 of the road warrior have a great weekend we'll see you on monday 